When we think about birds, we often think of them as being the masters of the sky, soaring over almost mockingly over us earthbound beings. Yet not all birds are like this. Some have sacrificed this power to live a life on land or in the sea. Yet there are some that can strike a beautiful balance and traverse both the atmosphere and the hydrosphere with ease, one of which is the humble puffin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Animal Kingdom, Unearthed. Today, we will be looking at Fraturcula artica, or the Atlantic Puffin. It is a small seabird with a wingspan of 47 to 63 centimeters, but its weight can vary across its range and in different parts of the year, from around 300 to around 700 grams. It has a very unique appearance. Its body is black on top and white below and it has a very large and brightly colored beak, which is colored in both males and females. This black on top and white on bottom coloration is called countershading, and it provides camouflage in both the air and in the water. From below, the white blends in with the sun's rays, while from above, the dark color blends in with the ocean. Puffins are found in a huge range across the North Atlantic and can be found all the way from New England in the US to Norway and even parts of North Africa. However, its colonies are only found across the coastlines of their range, and so they are considered visitors of the open ocean. Puffins spend most of the year alone on the open ocean. This part of their life is poorly studied because good luck finding a tiny bird in the vastness of the North Atlantic. Yet one puffin that was tagged off the coast of the US was found to have traveled a huge distance of over 4,800 miles over 8 months. It is a pursued diver, which means that it dives into the water to catch prey at a depth of up to 60 meters, the prey being primarily small fish, squid, and other invertebrates. Its huge beak comes in handy when fishing, as it can carry multiple fishes in its beak at the same time. It uses its wings for propulsion while swimming, so it essentially flies through the water. Its wings facilitate a great balance of aerial and aquatic mobility. For example, the supracoracoideus muscle is significantly bigger in the puffin than in closely related non-diving species, but not as large as in penguins because an increase in the size of this muscle is good for swimming but bad for flying. The small size of the wings make the puffin fast allowing it to traverse long distances easily, but make it not good at aerial maneuvering. This latter point might not be as big of an issue at sea, because taking off and landing on the ocean is a lot easier than on land. Taking off is usually preceded by a run-up on the ocean surface. Next, we come to the natural predators of the puffin. At sea, some seals and large fish kill puffins if they can catch them, but its main predators are other birds. Some medium to large birds like the great black-backed gull and the great skooka prey on puffins if they can catch them in the air before they can get to safety. Puffins generally try to flee at first, but if caught, they turn and fight. Puffins are subjected more to kleptoparasitism than regular predation. Kleptoparasitism is when a kleptoparasite 
steals another organism's prey without severely harming that organism. In the case of puffins, birds like the Arctic skooka steal fish from puffins as they are carrying them to their nest. Puffins usually nest on islands because islands tend to have far fewer land-based predators. However, on the mainland, puffins and puffin nests are threatened by animals like dogs, foxes, rats, etc. Puffins return to the colonies they hatched from on the coasts in the spring to raise their brood. They are monogamous and usually mate for life, although members of breeding pairs do not see each other except at this time of the year. The pair return to the nest that they had used previously. The nest in this case is a burrow, which gets improved and cleaned by the mating pair. If the pair is a new breeding pair, then its nest site is determined by the males fighting amongst each other. The female lays one egg each year, and the incubation time is around 40 days and both parents take part in it. Adults feed the chicks with beak loads of fish that they catch at sea. Both parents will go out to sea to catch prey for the family, but not together. Puffin parents usually return with prey together as a group to prevent their catch from being stolen by other predatory birds. Although there is another potential explanation for this as well. They may be grouped together because they hunt together, or because puffins follow each other to hunting grounds. Once the chick is born, it usually stays inside the burrow until it grows up a little bit. It spends most of its time sleeping, while the rest of the time is spent doing things like flapping its immature wings, rearranging the brood material, etc much like human children. Initially, at least one of the parents stays with the chick while the other is out foraging, but as the chick grows up, it begins to be left alone for increasingly longer periods of time. The chick is fed either beak to beak or with the food just dropped on the ground, and it becomes fledged, that is, able to fly, at around 40 days of age and leaves the nest not too long after that. They leave for the sea and do not return until it is time to breed. Puffins, as I said before, are found on a massive range of millions of square miles, and their small size means that they have a large population, numbering probably around 12 to 14 million. However, the overall population trend is very concerning. It is decreasing rapidly. In Europe, populations are expected to fall by up to 80% by 2065, and Europe has up to 90% of the total puffin population. Puffins are massively threatened by climate change in a number of ways. Firstly, they breed only at certain times of the year, and so these birds need food to be available in large quantities at those times. With climate change in the future, there may be a mismatch between puffin breeding times and plankton blooms. Mass baby puffin mortality has been observed to result from such food shortages, which are likely to become significantly worse in the future. Extreme weather events like long-lasting storms and extremely cold and wet weather can also lead to major problems, mostly because puffins have a hard time feeding in such conditions. Again, these events are likely to become more common in the future. Marine pollution is also a severe concern for the Atlantic puffin. Since they dive into the water to feed, they can easily get stuck in oil spills, which can be a death sentence to seabirds. However, curiously, the tricolor spill 
in 2003 did not seem to result in a major puffin collapse, so they may not be as threatened as we think by this. Puffins are especially vulnerable to other forms of pollution like heavy metals. This is because such toxins tend to accumulate as we go higher in the trophic level, and puffins occupy a very high trophic level because they are top predators. In fact, seabirds, like puffins, are often used as bioindicators to monitor the health of marine ecosystems, because any damage to said ecosystems will lead to a decrease in puffin populations. Another threat to puffin populations is overfishing. This is pretty simple to understand. No fish, no food, and then puffins die. Commercial fisheries all around the world and in Europe engage in unsustainable fishing practices, which must be curbed. As I said before, puffins tend to nest on islands that have no native land-based predators, to which puffins and especially puffin nests are very vulnerable. This means that invasive species can pose a massive threat to puffin populations. For example, the American mink takes puffins from their burrows, and the escape of minks from farms in Iceland drove some puffin populations to extinction in the 1930s. Puffins are actively hunted in places like Iceland, although there are laws in place to prevent overexploitation, and this may lead to local declines. Especially because birds are mostly hunted in the nesting season when they are near the coasts. Now we come to puffin conservation. Some of the important projects and organizations that work towards puffin conservation are the American Bird Conservancy, Project Puffin, and SOS Puffin in Scotland. Puffins, in view of their rapidly declining numbers, are protected by various treaties and conventions like. The African-Eurasian Waterbird Agreement and the Action Plan for Seabirds in the Western Nordic Areas. In order to preserve this species in the future, we must take actions such as the eradication of invasive species from puffin colonies, management of fisheries so as to not overfish, monitoring contaminants and trying to prevent further contamination, the further study of population trends in regions outside of Europe, etc. One interesting side note here is about Project Puffin. They successfully reintroduced these birds into eastern Egg Rock Island off the northeastern U.S. state of Maine. They took advantage of the fact that puffins usually nest on the islands where they were born, and so translocated baby puffins from Canada to Egg Rock Island. When these babies grew up and were ready to breed, they returned to the island. The team also used decoy puffins to attract more birds and simulate social interaction, which is kind of cool. Puffins are a cute and fluffy symbol of the enormously diverse and wonderful world of the seabirds, which are some of the most threatened birds in our changing world. They go by many colorful names like the clowns of the sea and sea parrots, and are emblematic of their ecosystem. But this same emblematic nature means that any change to said ecosystems is likely to have dramatic ripple effects on puffins. So let us pledge to protect these funny birds forever. So I really hope you found that video interesting. Do not forget to like and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. 
I know you probably hear that a lot, but still, do it! And I'll see you next time.